pray. God, thank you so much. God, we do thank you for that long-suffering God. There's, there's not one of us here that at some point hadn't at least asked you why and probably been wrongfully so irritated because we didn't understand, and yet your patience and long-suffering just kept on loving us, God. And Lord, I pray for this young lady, Lord. Will you just keep on loving her, God? I, I pray, Father, you'd, you'd show her, let her, let her see your goodness in all things, Father. And Lord, I thank you for, for Catherine, God. I, even as I talked to Travis Turner today, God, and healing there and, and just getting used to a new norm. And God, it, it's still seeing you do miracles, God. It's, it's seeing you give healing, Father. And sometimes it takes a while. But God, thank you, Father, for, for answering prayers and, Lord, even sustaining life. And God, other times you see fit to heal otherwise, like you did with Miss St. Clair and just and take away all pain and all suffering and all fear and all anxiety and just take them on home and let them see your face, God. I know she is having a shouting time now, Lord. She ain't bashful about shouting, Lord. She didn't have no problem standing up and worshiping, and it didn't matter who was around or who wasn't. God, I can only imagine how loud she's shouting and how high she's jumping right now, Father. And Lord, even I think about robbing his, his dad, Lord, and the Things that's gone there, Lord, I pray you'd give some healing in that. I thank you, Father, that we can come to you. Thank you that we can come to you in, in prayer, God. It is such a blessing to be able to come into the throne room of grace and obtain mercy. Thank you so much, God. Thank you for this book. Thank you for your word. Thank you for grace and mercy, for loving us. Thank you for your presence, God. I ask you, would you just speak to us tonight? Teach us something, God. May we... Walk out of here having felt your presence and learned something from you, God, that help us to serve you better. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be chapter 17, but, but I, I want to <laughs> share something with you for a minute. I was thinking about this week but before I get to where we left off. You know, a couple weeks ago we were there in a Philippian jail, and the Apostle Paul and Silas, they been arrested you know we just studied it right what two three weeks ago and they were arrested for nothing they were arrested for preaching the gospel and because some jealous jews and well at any rate they got up that mob and and they cared them for the magistrates they had them beaten and and then they placed them in that jail cell right and they told the guard you make sure these men don't escape and and they're in that prison cell at midnight they were praising God. They, they were praying and praising. And, and they broke out into singing. And at midnight, bleeding, cramped, cold, beaten, they're singing praises unto God. How many of you have, have heard the story and probably always thought this way? They sang at midnight, they praised God in the midst of their storm, and because they praised God, they were set free. You heard that priest thought that? I thought about something this week. That's not right. Now, now don't throw rocks at me. Just, just bear with me for a minute. They're praising God. That's true. When, according to human standards, they had no reason to other than they just loved God that much. And so they're praising God and, and the Bible says while they praised God, there was an earthquake and that the door swung open and that the chains fell off, right? But they didn't go anywhere, did they? 
so they're not set free yet. The chains came off, but they didn't go anywhere. Neither did any of the other prisoners. Now, here's how I know it really had nothing to do with them setting free, because if you remember a couple of verses later, the magistrates the next day, they sent word to the guard to do what? Let those men go. That means they were already going to go free the next morning, and God already knew that, right? So here's the deal. All that beating and all that they went through and they're singing and they're praising, that wasn't about them going free. That was all for somebody else. That was all for a guard and his family to see the power of God. That was all for magistrates to see the power of God. That was all for the other prisoners to see the power of God. See, we talk about that a lot of times. We talk about that a lot of church. Sometimes you're going through a storm in your life and you don't understand why. God, I don't understand. I'm paying my tithes. Why am I going through a financial storm? I'm at church every Sunday. Why is my family upside down? I, I, we're, we're reading the Word of God every morning. I'm praying every day. Why does my life seem to be in turmoil? Why is it like everything's going wrong? Why? I mean, I'm try, I feel like I'm trying my best. Why? And I've said it many times. Sometimes it has nothing to do with you. You're just going through something so that somebody else can see God. And that was the deal. They were beaten and they were put in and they were singing at midnight. And in my mind, maybe you've already figured it out before, but in my mind it was their singing and praising God at midnight that they were set free. No, it wasn't because they didn't go anywhere. Neither did the other prisoners. And the next morning they were going to be set free anyway. They were set free by the magistrates, which means everything that they endured, the beating, the imprisonment, the whole deal was so that a guard... Here's the deal. When those chains fell off, what do you think would have happened had they fled? See, now they're escapees. They're not free. They're not free. They're escapees. There's a big difference. Just because you get out don't mean you're free. Now, now they've got a manhunt. So had they, had they went out, a few things are going to happen different in the story. Number one, they're escapees. Do they ever get caught? Maybe, maybe not. But they're not free. They're escapees. But here's what happens. That guard, I'm quite sure, never gets saved, nor does his family, because the next day he's executed for what? Letting them escape. So more than likely, he dies and goes to hell. All of his family dies and goes to hell. Let me ask you the question. I'm, I'm just naive enough to believe it this way. I can't help but believe it doesn't tell about those other prisoners. It just tells us that there's there because he said we're all here. So that's more than Paul and Silas, right? That means there's other prisoners. Does anybody in here not believe that probably some of them had to have gotten saved out of that deal? Doesn't tell us about it, but I'm pretty sure there's some other prisoners got saved out of what happened that night. It doesn't tell us about those magistrates, but they sent word to set them free, and Paul said, oh, no, uh-uh, no. They beat us openly, uncondemned Romans. You tell them to come on down here and take us by the hand and lead us out of this prison. We got a bone pick. And they had to come down and lead them out by the hand. You think those magistrates didn't see the power of God? You think they didn't see the difference in the life of that guard that came and told them, oh, you ain't going to believe what happened here last night, and told them about being saved. And then, and then you've got all, all of the others that are there in, in the town. You've got Lydia that lives there in the town. You've got all those that have given their life to Christ. You think some of those magistrates didn't get saved out of that deal? Everything that they went through was for somebody else. You've been through things in your life that was for somebody else. You went through them 
But somebody else saw God through your life. And it's not over. It's not over. There may be other things that come that you may go through in your life. And the reason you're going through them. See, sometimes, brother, somebody, I don't know the story, but you probably went through something. You don't just get bitter at God for no reason. So you go through something. But sometimes if you go through something, you're not bitter at God, and you sing praises at midnight, somebody else sees God in that, and they don't understand it. It may be that, that somebody that is bitter sees somebody else singing praises at midnight that's kind of walking the same road. So, so we may still go through stuff. But, but as we look tonight, I want to show you that God always has rewards, and you don't have to wait until heaven to get them. Matter, matter of fact, Tim, I tell you, I can't even remember the song I sent you. What did I send you? Because he loves me. He suffered it all because he loved me. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the biggest fan of getting to share a testimony Sunday morning about what I did at that gas station. That, that's not something I'm, I'm proud of. It's obviously something that bothers me quite a bit. And I had no intention, but, but I, I also had no doubt that somebody needed to hear it. Uh, that I wasn't the only one that's in too big of a hurry sometimes. And, and, and whether we'd done it or do it again. But, but I woke up Monday morning singing a song a little before six about he suffered it all because he loved me. And I, I'm talking about can't stop singing it. It's 11 o'clock. I'm still singing. I've been singing it all day. And I'm trying, why in the world am I singing this song? I ain't heard it in years. I don't remember the last time I heard the song. I guess Tim pulling up some of these old ancient red hymn songs we're getting to do. Thank you, brother. I love them. I do, man. I, I love doing that on Wednesday night. It just helps bring me into it. But, but I, about 11 o'clock, I'm singing. I'm riding down the road. And I really believe the Lord gave me an answer to why I'm singing that song. He said, I know I had you share that, and I know it wasn't comfortable. I just want you to know it's okay. Just do better the next time. The song says he suffered it all because he loved me. You know what? I may never get that chance again, but Lord willing, I learned something from it, right? God, there, there's always a reward we go through things. And so, so I, well, that, that's all free. That really, I was just looking back at Paul and Silas, and I know it's kind of backing up, but it just lets me see things a little different than the way. I have. So if you want to turn to chapter 17, Paul and Silas, they've been to Thessalonica. Uh, Luke and Timothy, they stayed behind at Philippi. Timothy later, he comes on over to Thessalonica. Luke stays there at Philippi. They, they've preached in the synagogue for three weeks as their custom. They, they've been telling people about Christ. It says that many have been saved, but as always, just because many are being saved, everybody's not happy about it, right? You got that old Jewish crowd, you got those old non-believers, and, and they begin to stir up trouble against Paul and Silas, and they go out and they basically hire some men. They basically hire some troublemakers. It calls them lewd fellows of the basser sort. They create a mob, and they, they get a riot going against Paul and Silas. They, and, and then they, they, they went to um, the house of Jason. That's where, kind of where we left off last week. They've, that's where apparently they were staying. They've arrested Jason. Verse number 10 of chapter 17 says that the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Man, isn't it amazing? It doesn't matter what happens to them in a city for preaching the gospel, how they get run out as soon as they come into another city, right to preaching the gospel. They don't hesitate. They don't waver. They don't slow down. They don't wait back. When they walk into a city, 
it's straight to preaching the gospel. It says in verse 10, the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night into Berea. Coming there, they went to the synagogue of the Jews. So we see the brethren. That means that there were some Christians. They had converted some people. There are Christians there as a result of their teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then being led by the Holy Spirit, they departed from Thessalonica. Now, I know the text doesn't say that. But I know that they're led by the Holy Spirit. We've talked about it. Number one, Paul is being led by the Holy Spirit. He's very sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But here's the deal. I know they're led by the Holy Spirit because they went. They're obviously not scared of the Jews. They didn't leave running from the Jews. They're not scared of being beaten. They're not scared of being arrested. It's not fear. So the reason they would have left to go there, I mean, after we just talked about what happened at Philippi, so, so we, we see... That, that this time the Holy Spirit doesn't have them stay around and be arrested. He, he sends them on off and, and he leads them to, to Berea. So that takes us back to our study a few weeks ago. Remember we talked about that. Whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do, just do it. Don't, don't, don't question it. If the Holy Spirit leads you to do it, just do it. So as their custom, verse number 11 in chapter 17, they get to Berea, they go to the synagogue. These were more noble than those in the house of Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women which were Greeks and of men, not a few. That means there's a whole bunch of people getting saved. Verse 13, when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached to Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. Man, why can't you mind your own business? Then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. I, I love that in verse number 11. It says that they, they received the word with all, with, with readiness of mind. They were prepared. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people even today, they're looking for something. They don't know what or they would have already found it. But there's a lot of people looking for something. They're searching for something. And that's what this is. They, they were searching for something. There was a readiness of mind. Now, the fact that they were at the synagogue means they were searching for something from God. That's why they were at the synagogue. It was the Old, Old Testament Jewish custom. They're there. And, and it says that, that they searched the Scriptures daily. That means they read some things for themselves. That's what we as Christians are supposed to do. I'm not supposed to take it for granted on what I hear one of you say. I'm not supposed to take it for granted for what I hear Adrian Rogers say or, or Charles Stanley or anybody else. It's what does the book say. If I hear him sound like, man, that's good. That's good. I like that. Go to the book and prove if it's true. So, so it says that they, they read the scriptures to, to prove these things. They, it's not they didn't believe Paul and Silas. They loved what they were hearing like, man, this is awesome. And then they went to the scriptures to prove what they were saying. And when they saw the truth of the word of God, it says that many of them believed. Now, here comes the reward I was talking about. We looked at the fact that Paul and Silas was beaten without a cause in prison all that, that was done for, and it was for the salvation of others, right? I, I mean, honestly, we can do an open forum for a minute. Any, anybody have any other reason why Paul and Silas could have been beaten like that? I mean, I don't see any gain for Paul and Silas, do you? I, that, they, that they were arrested. I don't see where they profited. Maybe they grew some spiritually or grew in their faith, but it, it's obviously they, they went through something for somebody else. 
And, and even though they knew they had no reason to be beaten and they had no reason to be in prison, they're singing praises to God. They're giving glory to God. And, and so God comes back around. See, at Thessalonica, God didn't allow Paul to be arrested again, but he sent him to Berea. Now, there's two reasons that Paul always goes to the synagogue first. We've talked about one of them quite a bit. Number one, it's for common ground. At least they believe in God. They're Jews. They believe in the Old Testament. They believe the law and the prophet, the law of Moses. They believe in all the Old Testament prophets. At least there's some common ground about the things of God. They were on the same page in the Old Testament. Until Jesus Christ came and brought the New Testament, they were on the same page. So there's some common ground to go there, and that's why he would go there. But the other reason is because the synagogue is of the Jews. And even though Paul is a prophet, he, he is a missionary sent to the Gentiles, Paul never stops loving the Jews. The, the reason Paul was out to persecute Jesus in the first place was because he loved the Jews and he loved God. He didn't understand Jesus. It wasn't. He, he thought this man was somebody trying to take his beloved Jewish kinsman away from the glory of God. That's why he was out to persecute Jesus until Jesus showed himself on the roads of Damascus and he saw who Jesus was. And he understand this is God. This, this is God in the flesh. This is the glory of God. So now he's all at it, but he still loves the Jewish people. That, that is his kinsman people. So, so here's the deal. In, in Philippi, God had him, had him arrested and beaten, even though he'd done nothing. But it was just for others. And then in Thessalonica, he, he doesn't have them arrested, but he sends him to Berea. And therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and, and of men, not a few. What a blessing for the Apostle Paul. Do, do, do you see that? Paul has a heart to see people saved. A passion. You, you, don't, you don't live like the Apostle Paul without a passion like this. I'm sorry. I, I know why I'm not like the Apostle Paul. I'd love to be like the Apostle Paul. I'd love to be like Jesus. I, I want to be. I want to grow more every day. I want to get closer to God every day. I want to be more like Jesus every day. But, but if I live another million years... I won't get within an eyelash of being like either one of them. If I grow a little every day. He has a passion. He has a passion to see his Jewish people saved. Can you imagine? See, God gave him a blessing right here. He sent him into Berea, and he gives him time to see a multitude, not a few, to see a large number of people saved. See, God always has a plan. God had a plan in Philippi. Did it make sense? Absolutely not. How does it make sense to get arrested and beaten and thrown into prison? God had a plan. God, God, there, there is an untold number that we'll know when we get to heaven. But, but that jailer and his family and, and those other prisoners and maybe those magistrates and all the people they told about Jesus, God is in the multiplication business. And there's no telling how many people multiplied because of that. So God always has a plan, but, but, but God also always has a special blessing in store for you. He may use you for something that will be for your good and for his glory, but you don't have to wait to heaven to get rewards. God's good to us right now. God blesses us right here in, in this life. Verse number 13, when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached to Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. Remember on the first missionary journey how after Paul went through Pisidia and Antioch, 
and, and then he, he got all the way down, and we find that those same nagging Jews that had him thrown out, that hated him and the gospel, followed him to city after city after city after city, getting him thrown out, everyone trying to tear it down. So finally, he gets to Lystra, and they stir up a big mob against him because, remember, at Lystra, they thought they were gods because he did the miracle with the impotent man. And, and now he says, no, we're not gods, and so they stir him up, and, and now they, they have Paul stoned. And that was another one of those why moments. What did Paul do to get stoned? Nothing. But here was the glory of it. Y'all remember they carried him and they threw him out of the city because they thought he was dead, right? And because they thought he was dead, those troublemaking, nagging Jews, they went back. And then the gospel was preached without all of the, the, the Jews, the, the nagging, the heckling, because they went back home. And, and Paul and Barnabas at that time went back through all the city preaching the gospel. God always has a plan. So what we see here, and we look at verse number 14. Well, before I get to verse number 14, one, one thing I, I want to talk about those, those men real quick that came from Thessalonica. Can, can I tell you, even though they're troublemakers, they're being used by God? Can, can I tell you God doesn't have to have a Christian to take care of you? Anybody in here have a job that you've ever worked for somebody that wasn't a Christian and it paid your bills? God, God doesn't have to have... God can use anybody to accomplish his work. And, and those Jews that came at Thessalonica, when they were at Thessalonica, all they did was further the gospel to Berea. But what happened if Paul hadn't gone to Berea right then? Those people were ready right then. They were eager. That's what it says. They, they openly received it. Can I tell you, when you're witnessing somebody, you can witness all day sometimes. If they're not ready, they're not ready. But it's not void. It doesn't return void. It's the Holy Spirit plant. But sometimes you witness somebody, they're like ready to get saved. The, the Holy Spirit has them ready. It's just, just the right time. You get to be the one that day at the right place at the right time. Had, had those at Thessalonica not run Paul out, Paul and Silas, they, they don't go to Berea. And look at how many got saved. What if they hadn't gone to Berea? Who would have told them? And, and then God takes those same ones and he allows them to come from Thessalonica to Berea so that Paul has to leave to go to Athens that we'll get to in a few minutes. Looks like maybe next week. But, but to send them out again. See, they think, they think they're running troublemakers out of town. They think they're stopping Paul and Silas from preaching Jesus. They think they're accomplishing something for their good, but God is using them to keep moving his missionaries so that the gospel is spread throughout the world. Just like it did back when they stoned Stephen. Remember when we looked at that? They stoned Stephen. And when you did, the, the, the Christian Jews dispersed everywhere from Jerusalem. They, they were fleeing because Saul at that time, Saul of Tarsus, was looking to beat them, imprison them, or kill them. And they scattered everywhere. The reason they scattered was because of persecution. The devil thought he'd won a victory, but God said, no, no, watch this. Shotgun blast, ministry all around the globe. Well, it's the same thing. God is using this people. God can use anybody to accomplish his will. Verse number 15, it says that they conducted Paul. They that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens and receiving a commandment unto Silas Timotheus to come to him with all speed. They departed. I skipped number 14, didn't I? I started to read it while ago. I didn't read it. Immediately, I, yeah, I need to read number 14. Immediately, the brethren sent away Paul, just Paul. Just Paul. Paul is the one doing the preaching right here. Paul is where their anger is at. But, but look what they did. 
They sent Paul to go, as it were, to the sea. But Silas and Timotheus abode there still. You know what they did? They faked out those Jews. It says they sent them as they were to the sea. Them Jews, they don't have a port city. They're hunting Paul everywhere. They're, they're trying to find him. But what it says is that they con- that conducted Paul, brought him unto Athens. They didn't take him down by the sea. They, they, they faked him out. And, and they had a commandment to Silas, Timotheus, for to come with all speed they departed. Paul says, when he gets to Athens looking around, he says, I need Silas and Timothy. I need them here. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city holy given to idolatry. We're probably going to wind up not getting much further than this in the text because there's, there's a lot of things here about Athens. This, this is a whole new city. This, this isn't like Philippi. This, this is nothing like Antioch. This, this is nothing like the little town of Berea. This, this, is, this is Athens. This is a whole new realm of people, a new realm of everything. I mean, I know it's a city given to idolatry, but big deal. All of the Gentile cities of that day were given to idolatry. That's not it. Athens, in all honesty, Athens in that day is a, is a 2022 United States of America. Athens is a country, they, it's just this fast-moving, worldly, highly educated, sophisticated world. If they have it, it's in Athens. Athens has it all. Sports galore, entertainment, coliseum. It is the university city of the world. It is the most educated place anywhere. They have all kinds of arts and sculptures and museums, and they have all these great statues. Unfortunately, these great statues and sculptures depict their false gods. They all depict, they got a god for everything. They got a god for a hangnail. They got a God for a toothache. I mean, you name it, they they got a God for it. And they got all these statues. They got all this stuff built. It is the home of of Parthenon. It is the temple that that, that is up on the hill of the Acropolis of Athens. I looked up some stuff on it today, built in the mid-5th century B.C. It was dedicated to the Greek goddess Athena Parthenos. Parthenon to date, to date, is considered to be the greatest architectural masterpiece ever conceived, designed, and built by man. The greatest structure, the greatest architectural building to have ever been built. And and I'm talking about, that's compared to today's buildings. The ruins are still standing of the city after all these years. And then to the west, you've got up above the business of all the city. You remember Mars Hill. We'll get to Mars Hill. It ain't going to be tonight. But we'll get to Mars Hill. That's where the, the judicial body, Areopagus, sat. It's the Athenian governing council. Now, Athens, it, it is presumed that it's probably written somewhere, but I don't know. I couldn't find it. It is presumed that the reason Rome has not taken over Athens is probably because of their rich history. Probably because of all their tradition. Now, they agree with Rome. They are an ally of Rome. So Rome allows them to govern themselves. They're not under that Roman rule. They don't have parliament. They don't have the people like what we've been seeing. They have their own government. They're famous for mathematics. They're famous for philosophy. I mean, the world, looking back, the world, and I do say the world, not God, 
the world owes a lot to ancient Athens and to Greece. They're, they're famous for philosophy, for astronomy. That's where you get all, all your study, the, well, not all your study, the stars. But they were famous for all the, the constellations and the studies. And, of course, they attributed them all. They called them all gods. Aristotle, famous for philosophy, for physics, for, for biology. It was the Greeks that founded political science, liberty, law, democracy, all of those things come from this town of Athens where Paul is at now. It's the Greeks that gave the world a love of knowledge. They're, they're the ones that brought about the beauty. They're the ones that brought about the Colosseums. They're, they're, they're the ones that brought about a love of freedom. They had everything except God. They had everything except the Spirit of God. They had everything the heart could desire except for the moving of the Holy Ghost of God. They had everything except what they need. They continued to grow. They continued to build. They continued to get bigger. They continued to get smarter because they were searching for something and they weren't finding it. It was God. They knew nothing about God. They knew nothing about the things of God. They knew nothing about the love of God. They knew nothing about the salvation of God. But they had all this stuff, right? Can I tell you some of the hardest people to reach with the gospel of those that have it all? Anybody say amen? They don't need anything. They think they ain't looking for nothing. They got money in their pocket. Everything's fine. They're, they're looking for stuff in a bottle. They're looking for stuff in a pill bottle, an alcohol bottle, looking for stuff everywhere. But they're not looking for what you got. So, so here we, we, have, we have Athens. There's no divine inspiration in any of their thoughts that their gods are nothing but but man-made images in in these man-made images of, of little g false gods they have no morals and they have no ethics so why would you expect the people to be any different the people that worship them matter of fact they had there's no young ones in here they had they had gods for sex god for orgies they had gods that they prayed to for pathetic, nasty, vile stuff. But every, everything had God. John Phillips says this. He said, Greek philosophy found out many truths, but they never found the truth. 800 years of Greek mythology, 500 years of Greek philosophy came and went. God gave human wisdom ample time to prove what it could do and what it could not do. God gave human wisdom ample time time hundreds of years to prove what it could do and what it could not do after the greek world demonstrated its moral and spiritual bankruptcy showed that human knowledge and intellectualism was not only incapable of finding god but was actually taking mankind further away from god then christ came paul has seen some wicked cities Paul has seen some cities that don't have Christ in them. Paul has been to some Gentile cities that, that, are, that, that are, are worshiping false gods, and, and they got idols and stuff. But Paul ain't been anywhere like Athens. Athens reminds Paul uh, of some stuff. It reminded him that, that human philosophy has no answers. Human intelligence has no answers. Human religion, that's nothing but a mockery. You can come up with anything and call it a god. You can make anything you want. And, and that's what people had done. Uh, human, human law can never change the heart of a man. We have laws in America. It may can lock a man up for doing something wrong, but it can't change the heart of a man. 
So, so Paul's being reminded some stuff, and he's, and he's brokenhearted at the condition of things. See, I'm just afraid if we look at America today, we, we look a lot like this. We're, we're a country that's slipping further and further and further away from God. We're a country that's slipping more, more and more into immorality and pornography and, and filth and garbage and trash. We're nowhere near the country that, that was founded on the principle of the Word of God. This country was built on this book. Everything about our Constitution, everything about our rights, everything is built on this book, founded on this book. There's a reason our money says, in God we trust. There's a reason that everything used to be printed, in God we trust. Because in God we did trust. But I'm afraid that America's not around anymore. Oh, we trust in God. We talked about it a couple weeks ago on Sunday morning. We're becoming a minority faster and faster by the year. Less than 30% of Americans are now actively involved in church, 30%. You know about the only thing I see different than that is I believe a lot of people are finally telling the truth. Because a few years ago when it showed 65% of Americans said they go to church regularly, I wasn't seeing that. I think a lot of them are just lying on a postcard, to be honest with you. I think they're finally telling the truth. And that means if 30 says they are, that's probably a high number. Because some of them probably may know about God. Or know about Anybody know what I'm talking about? They may check, but they really ain't going all that much. We, we, we are sliding further and further away. Paul has sent word back to Silas and Timothy and said, you got to come on over here. There, there, there's a work to be done over here. Now, it says that Paul waited for him in verse number 16. It says that he waited for him at Athens. His spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. So Paul has some time on his hands. So he, he's walking the city streets. He's, he, he's looking at, at some stuff, and he sees all of the great universities. He sees capital learning. He sees the evidence of what man can do. He sees the, the big buildings. He sees all of the things that the world calls successful. But what he sees is that man in his own learnings does the most foolish thing that a man can do. And that is use his hands, his skills, and his intelligence to handcraft a false god. Paul is still a Jew. Paul still knows the commandments. Paul still knows, number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Paul still knows thou shalt not make any graven images or bow down to them. Paul understands the greatness of the sin. And what he sees is that man with all of his genius and all of his intelligence and all of his smarts and his craft. Paul is a smart man, very educated, very intelligent man. Paul can appreciate arts. Paul can appreciate somebody handcrafting. Man, Jonathan Hutchins and I one day this week, I think it was this week, end of last week, we sat at the train track. Waiting on a train. Whoever came up with them things, they don't end up in kill time. I'm amazed by the graffiti. Those people ought to be artists. They're doing with a paint can what most people can't do with a brush. You know a paint can's got to be the hardest thing in the world to paint with? It sprays everywhere it missed. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all ever look at those trains? Man, I mean, is that not like amazing work? And, and it's somebody on a... Street corner somewhere at a park train doing that stuff. I have no doubt that Paul could be amazed. He could appreciate the arts. He, he could appreciate 
the handcraft. He could appreciate some of the stuff. But the fact that, that with all their genius and all their intelligence and all that they have, kind of like somebody wasting their money to buy a can of paint to put it out there to use their intelligence to do something to paint graffiti, which is against the law, they could be doing something profitable and making a lot of money. Well, well Paul sees these people, they're intelligent, they're, they're, they're crafty, they're smart, they're able, but yet they're using their ability to make things that are contradictory to God. That They're making things that are an absolute abomination to God Almighty. All Paul could do was just, just, just take all of it in and, and, and see that everything about this city is completely void of the truth. Everything about this great city is completely void of the word of God. And here's what I believe. I believe the apostle Paul is very angry. I don't think he's angry at the Athenians at all. I think he's angry that the devil has deceived them so much. I think he's angry that they have been so led astray that here are these people who are able to do so much, yet they're on their way to hell and they don't know any difference because the devil's blinded their eyes. And he sends back for help. He says, well, we got a work to do. Send them on over. See, we, we need what Paul's got, and we, we got to go. We'll have to pick up here next week. Uh, might have a good time to pick up anyway because he's fixing to go into the synagogue and get into a bait with some folks. But we, we, we need what the apostle Paul has. We need that heart. We need that passion. The devil has our neighbors living right next door and right down the street blinded. They're intelligent people. They got jobs. They're caring people. They got families. They got homes. But most of all, they got souls. They got souls that's either going to go to heaven or go to hell. And we need to care. We need to care about where that soul's going. Can you make them go to heaven? No, you can't, but you can tell them the way. You know, you can give somebody directions on how to get to somewhere. If they want to take a shortcut, that's their business. If they get lost, that's their business. But Ezekiel said, if you sound the alarm, the blood's on their hands. You did your part. Paul is passionate because he cares about people. Paul is passionate because he cares about the souls of people going to hell. When Jesus paid the way, so nobody has to. We see a lot of people still die and go to hell. Some of them are going to die and go to hell at our expense if we don't tell them. And Ezekiel says of that, that if you don't sound the alarm, then their blood is on your hands. I don't know, maybe it's near for me because I feel like I let a guy walk out of a gas station that I didn't tell him anything that I should have. So maybe it's all fresh and near for me. Maybe that was my Athens to be reminded, man, people got souls. And if you're in too big of a hurry to stop and tell somebody about Jesus, you're in too big of a hurry. Whatever you had. Whatever you had was way too important in your mind that day if it came ahead of the work of the Lord, but it did. We, we, need, we need a passion. We need to be like Paul. We, we have an Athens, Greece out there right now. We, we, we have a pathetic world in America that needs to hear the gospel. Amen. God, thank you so much. Thank you for saving our souls. Thank you, God, that we come here, brothers and sisters in Christ, redeemed, forgiven. Thank you, Father God, that we're going to heaven because of what Christ did for us. Thank you, Father, that we are usable vessels in your hands. God, I ask you to take each one of us in this room give us a passion. 
Help us to see people the way you see people. Give us a heart like your heart, God. Give us eyes like your eyes, God, that we may see and, and love and have compassion, Father. God, I pray you'd give us a, a platform, God. I pray you'd help us, Lord, to start with our hometown right here, our Jerusalem, LaGrange, Troop County, Georgia. I pray, God, you'd help us to win this town with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to make a difference. Father, may we stand before you being accused, as we saw last week, being accused of having turned the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, it is our desire that when we die to have been accused of that and it be a true accusation. Help us, God to be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.